We can think the works of God is to reach the lost first. We think it's to prophesy, discover our gifts, go and change the world. And all those things are part of the process. But Jesus said the work, if you want to know what the number one work is, it's to believe in him whom was sent from above me. Such a unity and a oneness in the statement that then God is saying, do you believe that I sent him? Do you believe in why he came? And we go, yeah, 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 I believe I'm past that point. Really? Because I'm going to tell you today and encourage you, there's a belief and there's a belief. You see, true biblical belief causes conviction. And conviction causes change. Would you agree with me? But mental agreement doesn't necessarily cause conviction or change. You can mentally agree and go, I believe, I have a mental agreement of that statement is true and walk away unchanged. You're not altered, you're not different, you don't experience any more life than you did before that you mentally agreed with a principle of truth. Are you with me? Do you agree with me? So there is belief and belief, isn't there? There is a biblical belief and then there's a human belief. There is a belief when he says, believe in him. God, what does that mean? Show me really what that is. Don't allow me to have my version of that anymore, God. Because there is a life to be experienced in God, and it comes through believing. It doesn't come through my ability to create life. It doesn't come through Greg's ability to learn or to study or to come to know God without God. It comes through believing. And I don't believe unless God helps me believe. I am an unbeliever. That's how I started life, as an unbeliever. And the Father comes and he does this work, and all of a sudden you now believe. But it's not a belief that's mentally agreement where life stays the same. It's a belief that you're altered. You have something in you you never had before. There's a passion that where did that come from, man? I didn't wake up with that. You're changed, not completely in the sense of you're fully changed, but you're changed to a degree that you know it. It's like, that was not there when I woke up. In 1997, I woke up not knowing really love. And at one second past 10 o'clock, I knew love. And I didn't do it. I was praying and asking for something, got more than I asked for because that's the Father's heart. And I was changed to a measure in a moment. Why? And I believed. And that belief brought me here. And these markings on the carpet are mine. Because I came as a broken man crying and snot and everything coming out. But I believed. And that belief has continued to inspire and create life and me walk through stuff that I could never walk through had I not believed and received. He says the true work is to believe in the Son whom I sent. Not have mental agreement with me. Because I've come to change a church that then can demonstrate me to the earth. 
no way we can demonstrate God to the earth through mental agreement. Would you agree? It only comes through the power of the Spirit of God to change a man and a woman that they enter into a reality that now you can love like Jesus. Because wisdom is vindicated by her deeds. Wisdom is made right, is proven by the ability to live it. Jesus was the wisdom of God because he was proven right by his ability to live like God. And then he said, guys, here's the commission for you. It's the same. There is no separation between what Jesus did and what you're to do because Jesus did it as a man and you're all men and women. There's a challenge, isn't it? Do you believe what I just said? Not mentally agree, but do you actually believe that you can overcome like Jesus overcame because the same spirit and the same power and the same word and the same Christ who rose from the dead lives in you and I? But do you have a living conviction belief of that, that you are stirred up to the point where you actually believe it? And so you live it. Do you want me to show you what true belief looks like? Everyone stand up. Turn around. Hey, turn around again so you're facing me. Now sit down, close your eyes. And I said, close your eyes. Sorry. Anyway, close your eyes, sit down. All right. Now look at me if you've still got your eyes closed. Did you think about weighing up whether the chair could handle your weight then? Did you stop and have a mental agreement and suss out whether that chair was going to hold 99 kilos? Whatever your kilos are. (laughs) My mum said 62. It's probably true too. You didn't, did you? You didn't. When you walked in here... You did not take one measure of time to think about whether that chair was going to hold your weight when you sat on it, did you? You know that's true belief? Because you know something. That's what he wants to bring to you and I in believing in him. It's so unconsciously conscious you don't even think. It just is. That's incredible, isn't it? That is so powerful. That's why, before we can actually demonstrate the nature of God, before we can actually go out there and really do these works in his name, we need to be believing. And that's why he said it. And it's fascinating where he puts it in the scriptures. So let's go to John 6 and have a look. John 6 literally says those words. This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Before we go out and do anything, the work of God is to believe in Jesus. I'm just going to read you these words which are in Corinthians, but just say it with John. Just listen to this. This is Paul. My message and my preaching 
were not in persuasive words of wisdom. There's a statement. So Paul is telling us that the message that he brings doesn't come in persuasive words of wisdom. But in the demonstration, there's that word, the demonstration, wisdom is vindicated by her ability to demonstrate herself of the spirit and of power. Now, this next statement is so powerful. So that whoever is listening, so that whoever is listening, your faith would not rest on the wisdom of man, but on the power of God. So then he puts this little bit in so we don't get entangled in ourselves. Because we're naturally going to look to man if we don't know the Father. That's where we go. We literally look to someone we can see. And yet God wants us to see him and to know him. So Paul says this, don't look at me. Don't think I'm coming in persuasive words. I'm not coming here to have a logical argument with you. I'm not coming here to bring reason. I used to try that, and it got me going the wrong way. I'm a man of power. I'm a man of the Spirit. I'm a man of the demonstration. The man's life was the demonstration of God. Before it was whatever he spoke, his life was it because he believed. You can't demonstrate something you don't believe. You can try to demonstrate something you have a mental agreement with, but it'll still be you operating. And you'll be able to do that for a period of time. So you can love your neighbor out of yourself. Or you can love your neighbor from the power of heaven. See, when you love your neighbor out of yourself, you probably only do that once, twice, maybe three times, maybe for a month, and then all of a sudden the motivation runs away. Anyone relate? You find yourself back to where you started because whoever put the idea before you, whatever that is, is no longer asking for it to be done, so it was asked for a month and it stops. I love my neighbor in the month. Not about the other 12 or 11 months of the year, but that month I love my neighbor. And you miss all the other opportunities God brings to love a neighbor because it wasn't a genuine believing of a power of God work in you. It was you trying to muster it up. And then there's this believing where all of a sudden there's an interaction, there's a change, and all of a sudden that becomes your heart. So you're now looking. You're aware. You go into places asking the Spirit of God to show you opportunities where you can love people all the time. And they are practical things like even doing the dishes. Not necessarily laying hands for the healing and seeing aisle number five go, woohoo, healing in aisle number five, everybody come. I'm into that, that's cool. Because sometimes we look for that and not the actual basics of just asking someone for lunch. That's not loving, Chris. We miss all the little things, we're actually at the big things. So this is this fascination that Paul's in. So he tells you because God said that the manifold wisdom of God is to come through the church. So if wisdom is vindicated by her deeds, Jesus was wisdom, then God is looking for a church that demonstrates the life of Christ. That's what it means. That the complete aspect, the manifold aspect of God, wisdom, God is wisdom, is demonstrated through the vehicle he has anointed and empowered through the power of the Spirit. 
Now, does that excite you? Or does that put the fear of God in you in a bad way? See, that's what you and I have been called for. To love him and then to express him in the earth. But mental agreement doesn't cut it. But believing, being fully convinced and continuing to be fully convinced of that reality, because it's not just a one-off thing. It's a continuous believing, 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 being fully convinced. I am fully convinced today how Jesus builds his church. And this church has reflected that belief. Because it turned. Okay? If you're new here, the little vision statement we had was transforming lives by giving ourselves away. That is no longer the vision statement. Who can tell me what it is? Well, that's not really the vision statement, but it is. But what has been the vision statement? Know God. Love others. Walk together. To know God. You could say that. If you know God, you'll know that. You'll be in that. Through a believing, not a mental agreement, a believing. So this whole church changed its direction. Imagine going to Auckland all of a sudden to get the call go, Actually, it's New Plymouth. See, my life has changed. I am fully convinced of the bride of Christ. And my life is now aligning to it. I don't have a mental agreement. I have a living conviction of the bride. I have a living conviction of the scriptures. That's why Jesus says, if you love others, you're not worthy of me. I have a living conviction of what that actually means. Why? Because I figured it out? No. Because the Holy Spirit, who's my teacher, taught me. He said, do you know why you're not worthy of Jesus? If you love other people more than me, Greg? I said, no. He said, do you want to know? Yeah. Because that baffled me. Because I thought I was worthy. He said, well, you are, but you're not worthy of something else. So I got a living conviction. I was fully convinced, and that has changed me. It's changed the way I live. It's changed the way I love my wife, the way I love my kids, the way I love you. So you're fully convinced through what you believe, and it's an ongoing process because God is so big, but we can know all So the more we believe, the more we believe, the more we believe. Do you believe the promise in here that says, I've invited you to sit with me on my throne in eternity? That is a promise that is written, spoken from the Lord Jesus Christ for his church. The challenge is, you can go, I have a mental agreement of that and I believe. And then not live in accordance to that belief. Or you go, Yeah, man, I remember the day. I remember the day that that revelation came, and I'm fully convinced because when the Spirit of God reveals the Word of God in you, you have reference points. You know. It's like, man, on the day, 10 a.m., this date, 
Like you know the day you were married, like you know when your kids were born, like you know when you got your degree, like you know when you scored that winning goal. When the Word of God reveals Himself in you, you've got a reference for something, and you know the day and the time. And all of a sudden, you have a conviction. You are fully convinced. And when you're fully convinced, you do crazy things like speak in the front of Mormons and tell them all about Jesus Christ. I've done that. Don't ask me how I got there, but I was there. And I got up and I shared about the Father heart of God in front of 200 Mormons. And then I ran. (laughs) No, I didn't. I remember standing up in a room of 100 people at this Fix Yourself program where I'd heard a whole lot of rubbish about how we can make ourselves right and I'm the most important person on the earth and I'm this and I'm that. All this crap. Self-modification rubbish. And I had this encounter with the Lord who healed a broken heart within two months. And I get in this room And the lecturer says, does anybody want to share anything? (laughs) And I'm with my flatmate because we came for another flatmate. She's like, don't you embarrass me. Don't you embarrass me. I said, I'm sorry. I've got to say something. This is rubbish. No, don't you say anything. (laughs) Yes, sir. You you should have seen the look and the smiley face. What are you going to say? How great. I said, this is rubbish. I said, I met Jesus Christ. Jesus is changing my life. He's filled my heart. You're talking about self-help programs. I'll tell you someone that can help you. His name's Jesus. You could hear a pin drop. Then you can hear. He says, oh, sir, this is not a religious thing. I said, I know it's not. (laughs) I know this has not anything to do with life. Why? Because I'm fully convinced. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one can take that away from me. Why? Because I know him. Do you have a know that you know that you know that you know that you know to the measure you know? And is that no changing you? And from that no, can you demonstrate that no? And are you hungry for more that you can demonstrate more? I am. So good. But see, it starts at belief. Belief. John 6, let's just go there. Because I said go there about half an hour ago. (laughs) This always happens. If you're new here, this always happens. It's called being led by him. John 6, 26. This this is incredible. Like, what I'm about to read is such an incredible passage for a number of reasons. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. Ah, man, there's such, you know, every verse here is loaded. For on him the Father God has set his seal. Therefore, these people he's talking to, and there's many, and they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? 
What work do you perform? That's crazy, eh? I'm going to keep reading, we'll come back. Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you bread out of heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. They then said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I just did. I added that. That's not on there. But he did, didn't he? Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. That's profound, isn't it? So there's a number of things I was going to say, but I'm just rolling with it. So sorry, Kyle. But this is what's going on. The whole context of John 6 is about Jesus being the food source. So much when we think about feeding people literally. So the miracle of the feeding the 5,000, let's say 12,000 because women and children, and we can get hooked in that and completely miss what really John 6 is about. It's not primarily about feeding people with physical food. It's about feeding the world with the bread of life. His name is Jesus Christ. But see, man always looks for the physical first. And sometimes doesn't then transition into the spiritual food. So these people actually get to eat of the miracle and then ask for him to do another miracle. Is that weird to anyone? I've just done a miracle and you ate from it and you had your fill. Now you're asking me to do a sign so you can see and believe. He must have been like me and gone, man. You see, here's the problem, is that when you're so physically wired, you can miss what's really going on. And this is what's happening here for these people. And I want to find this bit of my point that I'm making in relation to this. Where have you gone? In other words, they are only seeking him to get their physical needs met. This relates to verse 27. Do not work for food which perishes. Man consumes himself working for food that gets his physical needs met. But Jesus said, work for food that endures to an eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. He's so good. He loves us so much that he enters into our physical realm. But it's for the purpose of bringing into this eternal food source. 
So the question he's really asking the people, and he's asking you and I today, is says, do you believe that I am the food source? And you might go and have a mental agreement with that, and then continue to eat physical food, wondering why your life is not being changed. Or you can believe in that, and you might be going, Greg, I believe that, I believed that 10 years ago, and I've been eating eternal food for 10 years, and my life reflects it. And now I'm able to demonstrate things that I never could before while I was eating food that perishes. See, that's the big question. He's actually saying, come to me. Do you believe that I am the food of life? I am the food source. I am your sole provider. Do you believe? Or are you like these people that can experience a miracle in the physical and still not be eating the eternal? See, that's the danger of just going after signs and wonders and never having a true change of transformation in the heart. You can see other people healed of cancer. You can see other people healed of stuff. You can see other people have this thing. You can see all these physical manifestations of heaven and still not believe the way he intends you to believe, which is going to change your life because it all happens externally of you. True belief, guys, starts in the spirit, in the heart. What I'm talking about starts through the power of God, the Word of God coming and entering into your heart, and that Word changes you and births life that you didn't have before. So now you have a true hunger for the eternal food source called Jesus Christ, not just a mental agreement with truth. Where you go, yes, I believe Jesus was sent for me. I believe he died for me. But I still live for me. Because the food I'm eating isn't powerful enough to change self. And what it starts to do, it starts to bring the reality and the fullness of our need for him. And our absolute inability to enter into life. It stops every Christian trying to modify yourself to be a better person. Because it was never about being a better person. It was about being a brand new person. See, when we enter into God's way, we get God's result. If we enter into our way, we get our result. And his way, and Paul said, I don't come in persuasive words of wisdom. I don't come with this man way of logic and reason and a nice, well-articulated thing so your mind can grasp it. I come in power. I come in spirit. I come in demonstration. So when I release that, there is actually a word that's sharper than a double-edged sword. It comes and it cuts and it penetrates and it judges and it causes repentance and it causes you to give on your knees and start crying out to God because you just heard the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord, the food of the Lord, and it's causing a shift and it causes humility and it causes love to come and it causes a spirit of pride to break. And you start to go, what do I need to do? He says, you need to repent. You need to start turning. Why? Because you figured that out. No, because you received the living word of God through the power of God. And all of a sudden you're going, I need to repent, man. I need to get right. So is that the gospel that you heard and are hearing? 
Or did you hear words and make a mental agreement with words, which is not wrong. It's just not going to bring you into a conviction where you're fully convinced. So now your life is changing. You see, we've got to hear the gospel through the works, not just the words. The gospel brings work of God to do a change of transformation. But you and I could just hear the words of the gospel. Nothing really alters. And so now I'm still eating food which is perishing. And Jesus said, why do you work for food that is perishing? Do you still not believe that I am the bread of life? And if you eat of me and drink of me, you will have life within you. And they went and said this. No. So can you show us another miracle so we can see and believe in you? He's going, what more do you want me to do, man? He did miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle, didn't he? And they still didn't believe. Why? Because they hadn't received. It could be right in front of you and you can never receive it. Because it's got to be received through the power of God, not through my ability to understand it in my head. And then he renews my mind to what I've received through the power, and now I can see as Jesus sees. And now I can live it out because I can see it. The bride of Christ, oh my goodness. Man, we need to change things. Not because I... Or we try and see it, it's we are seeking knock, and he, through his power, reveals what's concealed. For I have concealed things for you to find. But like these people, do another miracle. Then I'll believe. Should God have to prove himself? Hasn't he proven himself enough? So why does he still have to prove himself? Does he have to prove himself to you? Do you still not think you're good enough? Do you still not think you're worthy? Do you still not think you're, you know, negative, 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 I'm still just a rotten scoundrel sinner? Does he have to keep proving to you who you are? You see, if we just try to understand it, mental agreement, it's not going to bring us into life. We have to receive and eat the food that never perishes, that Jesus has been given to bring, that he gave the Holy Spirit to bring. And it's on offer. It's just not like going through the door there and grabbing a bun and putting some bread on it, and putting a nice bit of hammock and going, mm. it requires more than that. It requires a posture of heart. It requires a hunger of heart. It requires a desperation of heart. It requires someone who's thirsting, who's hungry, who's tasting, who's desiring. See, it requires time. It requires persistence. It requires someone to go after. I'm sure we've done all this for the things we want in the flesh, don't we? Man, I wanted Danielle. I went after her. I'm organizing dates, flights, expensive things. Still going after her. Still doing things to invest into the relationship. 
I'll get up early to watch football. I'll buy the shirt. I'll pay for the BN Sports subscription. I'll do the things. I'll go after those. Why? Because I want them. But God, Greg, those things are perishing. That might be good in the moment, and there's nothing wrong with them, but they're perishing some. Are you eating food that raises up, lasts for eternal life? Why? So you can be the wisdom of God on the earth. See, wisdom is vindicated by her ability to demonstrate something. The church has been chosen to be the demonstration of God on the earth. If I'm not eating the right food, I can't demonstrate the right thing. I can't live in my identity and the purpose I was born if I'm not eating the right food. He said, do you believe I am the bread of life? And he went from one place to another. I am the bread of life. It wasn't Moses. It was me. It was me that gave you bread. I was with you in the old. It wasn't ever old. It was just a continuous process. He was with them. He is the water coming out of the rock. He's been screaming this for 6,000 years, looking for a people who want to start eating eternal food. So if you eat eternal food, guess what you can do? You have eternal life. Not life forever, an eternal life like Sam preached about that we've talked about here, a life of eternal value, substance, capacity to live out what we've been commanded to live out. No different to everything. If I go to the gym and I want to lose weight and get fit, it ain't going to happen if I keep eating Big Macs. Do you know if you're losing weight, you can lose weight without exercise. Do you know that? You can lose weight through what you put into your mouth. If you feed the body the right food and the physical, it will do it for you. It starts to burn the fat because you're not putting fat in. You're putting the right food in so that body does the work. It's incredible, the body. It'll heal itself. If you create the right environment and give it the right thing. I'm talking about in the physical. So if you take that and apply it in the spiritual, if you eat the spiritual manna that God has given us, you'll be able to live like Jesus. The church will be able to say, yes, this church will go, we, to the measure that we're in it, and come, we are the manifold wisdom of God on the earth. That the heavenly realm is looking, going, look at those crazy people in Naranga Gorge. But it won't come from having a mental agreement, that type of belief. It comes through having a living, convictional, continuing to reality where you are fully convinced. And so your life reflects what you are convinced of. I'm going to stop there and we're going to have communion. And when you have communion, and maybe we do this in just little groups, don't do it on your own, maybe do it in groups. And just allow your spirit to hear what was said. Jesus said, understanding starts in the heart, which is the spirit. He said, why do you reason in your heart? It's crazy, eh? Not your mind, your heart. Because he knows everything starts in the spirit realm. And the heart is symbolic of the spirit. See, we think the mind says, the world says it's all about this. This is important. The mind of Christ. But it doesn't come from the world's wisdom. It comes through the spirit. And the spirit renews the mind. So then you have the mind of Christ. So as we partake, don't just go, oh yeah, a bit of bread. Thank you.
think about it. Ask him to reveal a living conviction in you. Revelation. Paul prayed, I pray the God you would give the church the spirit of wisdom and revelation so they could know who you are and know who they are and the will of you. Why? So then we can live it. You'll live out what you know. You can't live out what you don't know. So he wants to reveal his will so we can live it. Amen.